0: One of my favorite interviews was with Shonda Rhimes and I came away from that knowing that I wanted to do more than just write about other people doing amazing things. I wanted to do amazing things myself.
1: Always striving to shed a different light on the life stories of those she profiles in her magazine pieces, writer Jennifer Wolf has needed a little bit more time to find that light within her own story. The early chapters made getting to college seem improbable, and as an older transfer student, the narrative felt slightly out of sync. Find out how the perspective you gain from listening to others can ultimately bring out the story from within on today's Roads Taken with me, Leslie Jennings Rowley. I'm here today with Jennifer Wolfe, and Jen is the consummate storyteller of other people's stories. So today I'm gonna try to draw out her own because it is, as all of our classmates are, it's distinct to her. So Jen, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you, it's good to be here. Thank you for asking me.
1: I think your answer to the first questions I always ask on this podcast are going to be a little different and surprising. So Jen, when you were in college and arrived at college, who were you? And then as we were leaving, who did you think you'd become? That first part is really interesting, right?
0: Yes. I came to Dartmouth as a transfer student. I had no plans to go to college throughout high school. I had terrible grades, hung out probably with what you'd say the wrong crowd, and my parents hadn't gone to college. So I, it just didn't feel like something I wanted to do. I thought I could just work and do well that way. So I ended up working for about three or four years before getting fired from a job. (laughs) And then realizing that maybe it's a good idea to just dip my toe into the education again. So I applied to University of Miami, actually, when I first decided I wanted to go to college. And I wrote a good essay, but my grades were terrible. So they rejected me. And then I went to Miami-Dade Community College and did a lot of extra things that got me in a position to be able to apply to places like Dartmouth. Uh, I did a double course load. I was sports editor of the newspaper there, straight A's. And my honors advisor said, why don't you apply to some Ivies? I was like, are you kidding me? There is no way I could get into a school like those ones. So I picked Yale, Dartmouth, William and Mary, BU, and Georgetown. And I got into all of them except for Yale. And the day I got that Dartmouth letter, I was so excited. And then I was picking between Georgetown and Dartmouth. And once I saw the campus, it okay. just felt so right. And I realized I had thought about going into law, but English seemed to be where I was best. And I never wrote until community college, just diary entries. That's about it. So it was nice to finally realize what I wanted to do. And at Dartmouth, I learned that that was what I was best at as well. And I had the best professors uh, guiding me, and it was an incredible experience.
1: But that meant that how old were you when you started in as a freshman?
0: So, when I started at Dartmouth, I was 23, which is certainly a lot older than anyone there, and I didn't quite know my place there. I had a great start because I worked at the D and made some really good friends, 95s. But when they left, I was I didn't know who I was supposed to hang out with. The boys I wasn't really interested in. So it was a little bit awkward being so old there. I tended to hang out and speak more with the professors than the students. And I was certainly, you know, had light friendships, but no one I really could click with because my background was so different and I was so much older. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And in your senior year, you kind of created your own path being a fellow. Is that right? Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, I loved my courses. I made, I'm going to call it a mistake now, because I think it didn't do me a long term service. I applied for a senior fellowship. I wanted the opportunity to write a book. And I didn't love classes too much then, because it was a lot of pressure to get a's and I wish I had been okay now with getting b's and c's because the experience of learning more than the test taking okay. that would have been far more valuable. so when I got the senior fellowship, I ended up retreating even more from the social scene. I had an office at Baker and I spent most of my time in there and wrote and I didn't like the end product. And it's somewhere in the special collections, (laughs) um, which I'm mortified by because I hate it so much. And I think it's even my mom, she called it sophomoric and that was like, oh, crushed me. (laughs) <laughs> but she's right. It wasn't, you know, my best work. I don't know if my mom needed to say that. But actually, a few years ago, I went to Dartmouth and I had this great plan of stealing it. So, <laughs> but they're so strict there. It is not possible to steal anything from that library. They make you hang your coat up and no bags. You have to give them your driver's license. They get the book for you. And I got a couple cuz i thought maybe i could just, you know. I really did think all this. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I really wanted to though. So it's still there for anyone who wants did to Did you take a leaf money. through
1: and and see if it was as bad as you remember?
0: I Uh-oh. have a copy here. So i didn't need to look at it again.
1: But you were an author. And so as you were ready to step off the college what was your path where did you go
0: First I wanted to get an MFA but I got rejected from everywhere I applied because I think my writing had deteriorated I'm not quite sure why I think I was putting too much too much creative pressure on myself and wasn't loving writing again. So I applied to Sports Illustrated for a job. My grandfather grew up in Cuba with uh, this family, the Sarah Leahys. And Alvaro Sarah Leahy uh, was a 78. And he tried to help me get a job there. He was the general Mm. manager of SI in the business department. Good connection. And I interviewed there. I got a great interview. I wrote a good sample story for them on gun shooting in New Hampshire. Um, I went to a gun range and just tried it. I'd never done it. And I didn't know anything really about sports. But you'd written um, Yeah, I was the sports editor at my community college paper, but that was, you know, sporadic in how often it came out. It was easy to slide by with that. And then at Dartmouth. I was actually sitting in the D office. They hired me because they thought I'd done it before and I, I talk a good game. So I was the sports editor at the D but didn't really know what I was doing in regard to terminology with sports, etc. But I could edit. I was a good editor. And at Sports Illustrated, I kind of got <laughs> found out. It lasted a good maybe six months before my boss called me in and she was so sweet. And she said... I don't know if it's really a good fit here for you. She said, "I some of the editors are wondering if maybe you don't know too much about some of the like sports. Of <laughs> you don't seem to be too knowledgeable about some of the beats. And now that I look back, I remember making some stupid comments. I was in with one editor, and, and you're a fact checker when you start at any magazine and he was talking about a game, and he said, Well, was it an upset? And I said, Yeah, I think they were pretty upset. Oh. Like, it was, <laughs> yeah, that's embarrassing. And then I prided myself on knowing hockey. I enjoyed hockey. I'm Canadian. You know, I, I liked watching it, but I didn't really pay attention to any of the terminology. So, one editor, he said, Oh, so it was a hat trick. And I had no just didn't know. I was like, I don't think so. And it's very obvious. Like if three goals are shot by the same guy, it's a hat trick. Yeah, they kind of caught me. But I got a job at People while still at Sports Illustrated. They were kind enough to let me stay on until I found something else. And People was just a couple of floors away. So that's where I got better at writing. It took a long time. I was fact-checking, and then I was great at interviewing, but not so good at the people formula mm. of writing a story. So it took time and some good mentors there to guide me along. It's harder than it reads. I think people's stories, you read them, you're like, that was good, you know? But to get all the details in there in so few words, it's difficult. So I ended up staying at People for 10 years
1: Wow. But Within that time, you really went far from fact checking, right? You were red carpeting and all that. Yes.
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny that people, you start as a fact checker, but I was in the special issues department, which allows for you to do a lot of interviewing as well. So I got to interview, Like my first one was Lucy Lawless from Xena, Warrior Princess. But along the way, I got, I mean, Jon Stewart was one of my favorites. Chris Rock was fun. Tom Brokaw was like such an idol of mine for whatever. I mean, I just, um, yeah, it was those, the uh, intelligent banterers. I had so much fun with those. Angelina Jolie, she was fun. She was very strange. But I had dinner with her while interviewing her. And everyone in that room just turned their heads. And it was before she was really famous. She just has this presence. Um, So, yeah, it was really, really fun. But it was also a lot of work. So after work, it would be one or two in the morning and I have to take a town car home. And it was it just wears on you. And the pressure of their breathing down your neck when that issue has to close. It's like, where is the story? Where is it? Show me where you are. And I'm a terrible writer in the sense that I'm just not disciplined to do things on a tight deadline. So Mm -hmm. it got harder Mm -hmm. and
1: harder. So when you know that about yourself and you can feel it and the 2 a.m. mornings, what is it it that takes you to say, okay, enough is enough?
0: Well, at the time when it started to get difficult was because they were giving me more difficult stories. And they were cover stories. So you have the conflict of, wow, I really love the glory of writing a cover story, but they're so painful, I cannot do this again. So you go through that for a while. And then the excitement wears off a bit. And my heart wasn't into it as much anymore. Um, I was kind of focused on moving to Connecticut and getting married. And I wanted kids. So I wound it down. I started working from home. That switches your your values, I guess. Your It switched my priorities. I realized that even though it was a high-profile job and a million people would kill for that job, I was done. It was 10 years, 11 years, and I was tired. And I just wanted to settle down. So I, yeah, I got married and had a baby. And once I had her, I went to, I guess, freelance, but really I was a stay at home mom for a bit. But you
1: did see there was, you knew that there would be a way that you would always be able to write because of that kind of career.
0: Yes. Right. So being a writer is extremely convenient when you have kids because you can usually find a way to write Something. It might not make you a ton of money. It might not be glamorous, but I still did do some writing. I did this celebrity baby blog for a while, so I would review products. That was fun because it was like baby products. In and that time of your life good. when you
1: were you could you could relate as a young mom.
0: Yeah, exactly. I actually don't even know if it paid much at all. I think it was really just <laughs> for the stuff that I was writing. I was that desperate to write. And then I did a few things for In Touch. And then I started working for the Dartmouth Alumni Magazine. I'd written one story when I graduated and then took a few years off. And they called me to ask if I could do something. I don't remember the first story, but it's a great relationship. I really love writing for them. The timing is great because it's not high pressure, I get to interview really smart, accomplished people. I'm the entertainment writer there. So, you know, I got to interview Shonda Rhimes, who was my absolute favorite. My first stories for the alumni magazine were not as exciting as the ones lately. Uh, I did 25 alumni give advice on certain things. There was like, how to give a kidney. (laughs) How to, yeah, that was a big one. Um how to give good customer service. And that was with Scott Mitchell from a very fancy store in Connecticut, Richard's and Mitchell's. And and I actually brought my baby to that, which I would never do now. I would consider that to be so unprofessional to bring a baby to the mm-hmm. office, basically. But they were very kind um, and understood. So yeah, the past few years have been wonderful with the alumni magazine I've had great interviews. My most recent was with Marsha Stephanie Blake, who's also in our class. And I remember seeing her in plays when I was at Dartmouth. Mm -hmm. Uh, Macbeth with David Harbour was one I really remember. And I thought she was just so cool. And when we spoke, it's funny because she did not feel cool. She felt like an outsider like I did. I don't know how many people feel like they don't fit in there, but there were more of us than I think I knew then.
1: Yeah, there are a lot more of us,
0: I think. We should have started some... Nerd like outsiders yeah, club. You
1: would have seen that it wasn't so outsider though. I think <laughs> that plus imposter yeah, syndrome in general, yeah. um, I think, pervades that place a little bit. Right. So you mm-hmm. seem to have it figured out at least for now that you're still able to do that craft that you love. But it seems from this high minded, I want to you know write a book and all of that that you you might have felt compromised like I'm gonna go write some stories in sports I don't understand or now write, you know, shorter things or shorter pieces. Do you have hankerings to do other kinds of writing? Or is this, I will say, from a reader standpoint, it seems as though this is your genre, but are there other things still left inside you?
0: Yes, I definitely want to do different kinds of writing. I think I'm good at journalism as far as I'm good at profiles on people, and I enjoy doing it. I like tapping into what type of person they are and being able to hopefully shed a different light on them than you might have thought. I want to let them shine through, which I think is a difficult thing to do when you're only interviewing someone for half an hour to an hour. But that's one thing that's been really important to me in writing profiles is not just to touch on the surface, but get a little more deep, which is sometimes hard because one of my favorite interviews was with Shonda Brimes. And I came away from that knowing that I wanted to do more than just write about other people doing amazing things. I wanted to do amazing things myself. And I like profile writing and I I like magazine writing, but it doesn't fulfill me the way writing my personal stories do. So I put that on hold for a very long time and I can't keep doing that. So I'm 49 now. And I'm going back to trying to write that memoir that I did so poorly at while I was at Dartmouth.
1: Was that the subject of your book?
0: Yes. So my childhood was interesting. My father abducted me when I was six. He took me away from my mom and we changed our names and hair and lived for a year without her knowing where we were and eventually she found us Uh, it's obviously a long story i won't won't go into all the details yeah exactly so it's always been a story that i think a lot of people have said you have to write a book you have to write a book but unless you know how to reflect on the past more than just saying the facts Or making it more sentimental than it is to me. It's tough to find the voice for it. And I think I've never been able to do it until now. Something clicked. I think I've had a good therapist that's finally helped me work through a lot of the pain that that caused being away from my mom and then a difficult relationship with my father. And what I wasn't successful at in writing the first time was I didn't know how – I I often joked about it with friends and strangers. Like, oh, yeah, my dad took me when I was six. Like, it was crazy. And then writing a memoir, I did the opposite, which is overly mm. dramatizing it. And now I've come to like a good place in the middle of putting in the humor that I like to use when I write and realizing the weight of not only what happened when I was six, but how it's affected me since. And I think the ending is going to be me going to Dartmouth because it just changed my life. It was such a... I was never meant to go to a school like Dartmouth. And when I did, it transformed me in a lot of ways. It made me more confident about who I was, even though I still didn't really know who I was. I felt like I was finally, I could rely on myself to be okay. I don't know how best to explain that, but it gave me something that was mine that I didn't do for someone else. I was doing it for me. And I will always think of it as home in Hanover, because I did move a lot as a child and had a lot of instability as far as my parental guidance, et cetera. So when I was at Dartmouth, I had like these great parental role models, not just educational. Mm -hmm. Bill Cook was an incredible professor, and I would just hang out in his office and we'd chit chat and... Ernest Hebert was my advisor, Cynthia Huntington. I just felt, I felt like I belonged. It was good, really good. That's more with me now than I think it was right after college. Yeah, it's, I've realized it. It's, it feels like home when I go to Hanover. I'm like, home. (laughs) Uh, I love it. And it's always there. And it, it looks the same. And it, feels mostly the same. It's an ever evolving, hopefully improving environment there. And yeah, I love it. I just love Hanover. I can't help it.
1: But I mean, that sentiment of, you know, finally feeling home and a place that is hopefully always improving. I mean, that kind of is your life story too, right? That, you know, you needed to find who you were and by improving and, and getting to a Dartmouth. And and I just wonder kind of your work in talking to so many people and profiling them and letting them shine out. Is that part of why you think you're writing your own story better? What What did you learn from them or that process of drawing people out that might be... You might be doing the same for yourself.
0: That is a really good question and not something I thought about before. I think you're right. I think there's something about seeing people, especially our age, 40s, because you really come together in your forties. You feel more open about what you think and and doing what you wanna do. If I don't wanna go out now, I just say I don't really wanna I don't wanna go out. So there's this confidence that comes. There's a clarity in your head of of where you want to be. So
1: I do think this story is worth telling. And I'm not sure it was good or bad to put it down in your book. But I think now's the right time for you to tell your story because of these experiences you've had kind of delving into the humanity of all the people that you've profiled. And I'm sure that has kind of helped you unlock little bits of who you are and have become. Um, So I'm, I'm excited to read it when it comes out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, And I think writing, articles has helped me because it's made me realize I need to tell my story a little bit more in a bit more of a distanced way in, in some senses. I need to paint a picture of the exterior in addition to speaking of my own internal goings on and the sentence structure and the, the form of writing articles. That's been good for me too in an organized way. And it's almost like a big, giant profile, where you're piecing things together and having like an arc and all that, which I don't, I don't think my, my stories for the alumni magazine are exactly like, the most amazing writing on earth. But it's, uh, it's a discipline that I've come to get used to. And it gets easier every time.
1: Well, you make it look easy and we so appreciate your introducing us to those people. So thank you for that work, Jen. And thank you so much for sharing your story with us. We can't wait to hear the longer version um, sure. and, and know you a little bit more.
0: Yeah, thank you. It's been good talking to you.
1: That was Jennifer Wolfe, a freelance writer, most recognizable to Dartmouth folks through her many cover stories and profiles of alumni from Mindy Kaling to Shonda Rhimes to our own Marsha Stephanie Blake in the Dartmouth Alumni Magazine, where she's a contributing editor. Before hitting it out on her own, she was a longtime staff writer at People Magazine. She's currently working on her memoir. Like Jen, I hope to bring out the light in others through these podcasts. So if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, wherever you access your podcasts, or at roadstakenshow.com. That way, you can join me, Leslie Jennings Rowley, each week for another episode of Roads Taken.